This podcast is being brought to you by our friends at Redmont Vodka. You can find them on the web at www.redmontdistilling.com. R. Jordan Davis is a native of Birmingham, Alabama, and holds a Bachelor of Arts in English from Morehouse College and a Master of Science in Nonprofit Management from Columbia University. Passionate about the intersection of charity, civics, and culture, Jordan hopes to increase civic engagement and help governments deliver on the promise of good policy. Jordan's interest in politics began at an early age as he volunteered for political campaigns throughout throughout the metro Birmingham area. This training served him well. Jordan was able to secure an internship in Washington, D.C. office of Congresswoman Terry Sewell the summer after his freshman year. As an intern, Jordan coordinated an awareness campaign around H.R. 2978, the Voting Rights Advancement Act, currently known as H.R. 4, John Robert Lewis Voting Rights Act. In addition, he authored an article in the congressional record regarding President Trump's decision to withdraw from the Paris Climate Agreement. Jordan has additionally held posts in the Atlanta Mayor's Executive Office of Communications and the historic Stacey Abrams for Governor campaign. In the fall of 2019, Jordan was tapped as the founding campus manager for the Morehouse College chapter of Fight Fair Fight U, a collegiate extension of Fair Fight Action. In this role, Jordan registered voters, phone banked, canvassed, and grew the chapter to well over 15 members in one semester. Fair Fight U, as of today, still has an active presence and is now a registered club on campus. Man, do you know how hard it is to start an official club on campus? Jordan is currently employed with a regional legal advocacy group and currently serves as a member of the Board of Trustees for the Birmingham Public Library System and the Alumni Board for the Altamont School Alumni Association. All right, Jordan, tell me a joke. Who wins in a fight between Sunday and Monday? Who? Sunday. Monday is a weekday. <laughs> it's weak. <laughs> weak like that joke. <laughs> right. I, I it love, was corny. No, that was a good one. The, man, the cornier the better, it seems like. It's, if, it's, if it's not going to be lewd and terrible, it needs to be super duper corny. All right, now tell me your favorite funny or fond memory. I was trying to think of a fond memory. And Do you remember the first time you met me? I don't. Yeah, you were a little kid. I can't remember that either. I just know it was at church. I watched you grow up like from a child. I know. (laughs) When I'm trying to think of a fun memory, I'm like, he's always been in my life. Like, I don't know. I appreciate you saying that. But, I mean, you've always been super encouraging and supportive of me. And that's just something that I always take with me. Like, I know Uncle Alva got me. (laughs) Nobody else got me in the city. Uncle Alva got me. So, I appreciate that. I'm going to tell you, um, 
I have watched. I ran into your dad Sunday. Oh wow! And um, he was, you know, we hugged and we laughed and we talked about you. Man, I've been your fan since you were a little boy. Like seriously, like I have always seen greatness over you. And it was when it was for a um, jubilee. Selma, when um, President Obama came mm. and you were working down there as a volunteer for yeah. the Jubilee. And that's when it dawned on me where you were going. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I, I always, I was like, he's going to be the truth. But, you know, I, I didn't know where you were going. Right. And once I realized where you were going, I was like, that's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Tell me your story as it relates to, you know, that trajectory. What turned you, what made you passionate about politics? It's so funny that you asked that because I was just looking at a picture that Miss Gaynell Hendricks sent to me and my mom. I was a student at WeCare and she was running for a state representative at the time. And I was in all of her campaign ads, <laughs> like me as a child sitting on her lap yeah. in those campaign ads. And I'm like, that's when it hit me. I yeah. think I, that's when the political bug hit me. Being around the Hendrix, you know, they were big in politics around the late 90s, early 2000s. And yeah. so um, having them as mentors and inspiration from an early age yeah. was kind of what set it off. And then just volunteering on different campaigns throughout the city. Being you know going to Sixth Avenue really helped a lot, right? Right. I mean, that's politics central, right there. Right. So it was just from there, I just grew the momentum, and for me, it was hanging door knockers for Dick Arrington. Oh wow! His first run for mayor. So I'm like you early on. I was like that energy, right? You know what I'm saying? And funny before we came on, we were talking about would we send somebody into this arena. Right. And your answer? <laughs> it's a calling. <laughs> it's a calling. It really is it really a calling. Is. Yeah. yeah. It's more of a sickness than anything else. Right. Now, how can people follow you on social media? So on Instagram and Twitter, I am at I am R Jordan and mm-hmm. then on Facebook, R Jordan Davis. All right. So those are only two you are? Simple. I have a TikTok. What you on TikTok? The Chef's Kid. The Chef's Kid. On TikTok. I got to peep the Chef's (laughs) Kid on TikTok. Follow the food journey and all the other craziness. Yeah. Now, that's how you got into politics. But your first real job, if you will, was with. Stacy, Congresswoman Sewell. Congresswoman Sewell. That's right. That would, but that was your summer internship. I okay. want you to talk about the job. Yeah, job, job. Okay. yeah, yeah. How did they, how did you get in her camp? You know what I'm saying. Here again, one day I looked up and you all over the place with Stacy Abrams. How did that come about? Funny enough, I was at a forum at Morehouse College where I went to undergrad. And there was a representative from the campaign at the forum, and she was looking for people to be on the campaign. Okay. I had no idea who Stacey Abram was. 
I knew she was a black woman. She graduated from Spelman and was trying to be governor. And so I was like, sign me up. Yeah. I, I don't know who this person is, but I know this is what Georgia needs. I enjoyed talking to the person from the campaign staff. And so I signed a sheet of paper. The campaign called me less than a week later. Yeah. Interviewed and the rest and is now, what yeah. what was your matriculation? Because, you know, we... we it's always one of those things you start out licking envelopes and on the phone, and the next thing you know, you're talking to a group of people on behalf of the campaign. Right. What was your matriculation like? So I started off as an at-large intern, and then I became director of campus or the AUC for Abrams Group. Mm -hmm. And so that was a consortium of Morehouse, Spelman, and Clark Atlanta students who were supporters of Stacey Abrams, and so hosting events doing everything that we could to get the word out on mm -hmm. the AUC campus and bring and recruit AUC students to volunteer for the campaign. Mm -hmm. And so that led to me being a spokesperson for the campaign at different fundraising events. There was an event that Morehouse College put on or that the uh, campaign put on that President Obama attended and it was hosted at Morehouse College. And so I was able to introduce uh, the Lieutenant Governor and uh, candidate at that time, Stacey Abrams, gubernatorial candidate. I saw uh, the Stacey pictures Abrams. from that one. Yeah. So uh, that was that was huge. That was uh, a huge deal. Got a chance to, you know, sit in front of uh, late Congressman John Lewis. We had a whole conversation, and that was probably one of the last times I saw him before his health declined. But it's so serendipitous how things mm. happen. It is. In undergrad, especially in politics as well. Yeah. It's kind of like being at the right in the right space at the right time, always. And now you keep bringing up Morehouse, and I don't. He's never heard me say this, but that's where I want Justin to go to school. I want Justin to be a Morehouse man. He can do it, man. And my dad went to Morehouse. I wanted to go to Morehouse. I think the world of Morehouse. It's a special place. Tell us about Morehouse, man, and tell us what's it like to be a Morehouse man. Like, talk to Justin and all the young men that need to be aspiring to college. Why should they go to Morehouse? For sure. Well, I always talk about my personal journey, my personal story. I went to Altamont, where I was the only black male in my high school graduating class. And so I thrived for an academic environment that was different from that, where I could see other black men performing well, having high academic expectations and wanting to achieve all that they wanted to do in their academic journeys and just in life. And so what other place could I do that than Morehouse, mm -hmm. where I'm surrounded by black male excellence, where I'm surrounded by this friendly competition that I, I yearn for? And so going through that matriculation for four years, the, the growing and the learning, just the classroom discussions and just hearing different points of views because, you know, black people are not monolithic at all. And so you were able to just get in touch with so many different ideas and ideologies and just grow not only academically, but spiritually, emotionally. And, and just physically as well, um, because, mm. you know, during that time period, 18 to 22, you're you're growing a lot. Yeah. And so to be surrounded in that atmosphere and that environment was pivotal. And yeah. so 
having graduated, you know, you're instantly connected to brothers from all over the country that and network, the world, man. That network, that network is so is, strong. Yeah, and you know, just being a part of that and having brothers wherever I go, yeah, is, is amazing. What's what's the like most distant place you've been and run into a Morehouse man, or most awkward, unexpected place? a good question I think I was in DC at the at Trump's <laughs> 4th of July picnic oh that's why he's stuttering yeah yeah you at Trump shit yeah <laughs> well let me tell let me tell you the real oh, let me tell you the real now, now you want to get it out you want to get you want to get it out so congresswoman Sewell had tickets and as intern she sent us okay so okay if, if, if you say so and now you went from those arenas if you will the the campaign um, working for, uh, um, well, interning with the congresswoman, working with um, our candidate in Georgia, Stacey Abrams. How in the world did you end up on the library board? So I've always wanted to come back home. Everyone uh-huh. used to say while I was growing up, you know, people take their talents, they go to undergrad, they mm. achieve this higher level of academic success and they just leave and don't and don't come back and forget about home and mm-hmm. I didn't want to be one of those people because I love Birmingham I thought you would a lot of people did yeah I, I, I thought there was no way you would be coming back to Birmingham yeah yeah and I love Birmingham it's progressing this is the right time to be involved in in all things that the city has going on and so in October of 2020, I was in my master's program at Columbia, uh, getting my master's in nonprofit management, and my neighborhood library closed. And I, that was a, a place where I just grew. I was mm. nurtured. I had a, a, a very good time, you know, just being involved in the community. A lot of our community events were there. Um, grew to love books, had study habits formed there. And so, you know, it was just a special place for me. And so it really upset me. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, the next opportunity that the library board has for an open seat, I'm going to put my name in the hat. And so a year later, December 2021, uh, Councilman Moore and uh, Councilor Smitherman had a um, had an event and they were saying that there were some open seats for the library board. And I was like, well, this is it. And so I interviewed and the education committee saw fit that I joined the library board. My man. And as we take a little break, finally, tell us how old you are. 23. I'll be 24 Nick, in about two weeks, May 6th. Yeah. <laughs> 
B949, where V stands for variety. 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., get your morning started with Dee Dee in the morning. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., come get your midday fun sway on with Lady Wu. 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., Chris Coleman inside the Think Tank and Mix. 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., you're inside room 1420 with Isis Jones. Catch the Magic City Blues party on the weekends with Big Row Williams. And get your praise experience every Sunday with Ron Marshall. Oh, and did I mention our V-Squad DJ? Thank you again. Come get this variety. Only on V949 WA. TV. That tripped you out when he said he was 23, didn't it? Man, I'm gonna I'm tell you what, what, what I told <laughs> Iva in, in confidence outside because I because I want you to hear this. Um, I grew up around a lot of dudes that could have been a you, but they had nothing but adults around them telling them they wasn't shit. Mm. And I was that kid that was like, you know, no, th- this is what you're gonna be. I see that in you because they was telling me I was gonna be a you, and I'm like, no, nah, whatever. You need to be telling that to him. So it, it, it warms my entire existence to see, because you're going to be 24, let me get it right, See to see a, a black man, not even 24 years of age, have your shit so together that when you walked in, I'm thinking, okay, this dude about 30-something, he probably married, got a couple of kids, not because of the way you look, because black don't crack, let's get that on the record, <laughs> but because of how well you presented and everything I saw in you before you even spoke. So I want to congratulate you, and I want to thank you for already being a shining example for younger black children. I appreciate that. No, you're welcome. Man, um, <clears throat> one of the you know sayings we like love to say is, I'm my, um, I'm my ancestors' wildest dreams or whatever that is. But I need for our young people to know that you're not just your ancestors wildest dreams you're ours too mm-hmm. like um you, you know i i did i did that on purpose i didn't want them to know how old you are and <laughs> everything you were up to you know what i'm saying right. because you're a great man but you're no different. You know what I'm saying? You you you've always been um focused. That's n- nothing another young person couldn't do. Um you've always been you know head on right, doing the right thing. You you are obviously brilliant, but but your path is one that most any young person could take. That's focused. You know what I'm saying? And so, man, like I I lift you up. I I love sharing your pictures and sharing what you're doing. Not out, just out of pride, but because I want other people to see that it's a young black man right in your midst doing it. Even to a level I I wasn't expecting. Like, you know, and so all that being said. You heard it here first. Our Jordan Davis will be the mayor of Birmingham one day. Period. End of discussion. I I'm willing to bet it. I'm willing to bet it. So, what's your um, <clears throat> what's your favorite charity right now? Of course, I'm gonna say the Birmingham Public Library. The Birmingham Public Library. Okay, so. 
No, you got to choose another one because if you don't answer a question, he's ner He said he was nervous about the question. So we might have a suspect here who might not answer one. So I want another charity so we can have a, a, a donation. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to donate too. Um, oh, you can donate to the Absolutely. Okay. I thought, yeah. duh, the li Library Foundation. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Shut up. <laughs> Who you laughing at, man? I'm not I'm not I'm not, I'm not, you I'm not at? laughing at anyone. No, you're not laughing with me, so you I'm laughing <laughs> at me, man. <laughs> I'm hurt. not laughing. I, I I just I love the way you frame that. I love the way you I always frame you. and you know that. Because the, the way you frame that, everybody in that chair, they sit back and I just be like, Yeah, you getting robbed. <laughs> it's a robbery. <laughs> All right, Regents Park or Rickwood Field? Rickwood Field. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Railroad Park. Biggie or Tupac? Tupac. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Legacy Arena. Crossplex or Legion Field? Legion Field. Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Sloss Furnace. Alabama Theater or Lyric Theater? Alabama Theater. Civil Rights Institute or Negro League Museum? Civil Rights Institute. Barons or Squadron? Barons. Legion or Stallions? Stallions. Alabama or Auburn? Roll Tide, Alabama. Lake Vacation or Beach Vacation? Beach Vacation. All right. Who's your favorite? Um... Hip hop artist Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk a little politics. <clears throat> what? Where? Where are young people right now? Well, let me say it this way. Let me frame it this way. I feel like people your age are getting less and less involved in politics. I want you to tell me, you know, is that is that hype? Is it really, you know, that's not the case? More people are participating or not? And what are your thoughts on that? I'd say more people are participating. Really? When you look here in Birmingham, there's this resurgence of young people in politics. I'm thinking about the E.J. Turners, the Maya Jollies, Alexis Cumbies, um, myself, you know, mm -hmm. um, who have this wealth of knowledge and a huge network and have engaged in a very unique and specific way um, our peers. Mm -hmm. And so I am seeing, especially with this last election, because I think people my age understood what was at stake. Mm -hmm. They understood because of influence or what, what have you, mm -hmm. um, the power in their vote and the power in being participants in democracy. And so I, I think that it is growing uh, despite, you know, what is out there? Appearances. Appearance, mm -hmm. right. I, I think it's growing, and I think um, it will continue to grow as people understand that their very lives and their very existence is tied to politics. 
Okay. Well, if that is the case, tell me, what do young people want? Give me two things that 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 young people, early twenties, mid twenties, even in late teens, what are they? What are you looking for out of government? Be it local, statewide, federal. What 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 do we? What should we be listening for from our young people, from our young voters? If, if there's somebody out here that's wanting to, you know, uh, um, um, campaign to young people, what should they? What issues should they be talking about? Debt cancellation for sure. Mm. Number one. Um, I think there is a vested energy uh, or a vested interest in green energy and um, environmental justice. I also think there is a vested interest in millennials and Gen Zers um, for health rights. Um, So whether that be abortion or um, any other, you know, reproductive justice or or health rights um, that you could think of, I think those would be the top three that I've seen in my sphere of influence, but also that I've seen on the internet um, Mm. and social media, so. And if if we were to have a situation where um, Joe Biden were to run for re-election, where are young people on that? It's a negative. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, that's, That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. And what um, is interesting, I didn't even do this on purpose, but first thing you said was, no, we are far more (laughs) engaged than you think. Right. Than appearances. We're paying attention. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then the list of issues that you happen to state, the country is failing miserably down those Absolutely. avenues. Yeah. And then you land at, okay, so what's going to happen with these midterms and, right. and with, you know, when it's time to reelect and what I'm hearing is young people are like, you know, I'm not feeling what I'm seeing. Right. And when we're not feeling what we're seeing, what can we do? Vote them out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, let, let's, Let's go to an extreme. Okay. All right. Donald Trump is the nominee again against uh, Joe Biden. Who do you support? That's tough. That along that's that's cool. You don't have to choose. The fact that you see that that's a tough and a tough question to answer is is answer enough, right? You know what I'm saying? It is. I, I mean, it is because you would think that that would you would have rattled off. Like, oh no! And, and it's not. He he didn't just hesitate. He didn't even give an answer. That's very telling. To, I mean, it's what you just said. It's very telling about where we are, and we're rolling into midterms, bro. Right. Like it's gonna be a slaughterhouse, man. <laughs> but I think that's where not just young people, but everyone has to step up and do their part in uh, choosing a Democratic candidate that is really representative of 
all people and mm-hmm. we'll really get the job done. Now, what do you think about politics right now? I mean, in order to get the nomination, people have to run to the far, you know, uh, exterior of their party. Right. You know, where does that leave people like you? Where does that leave people like me? Where does that leave um, pragmatic people and thinkers? Right. Politics has become so extreme now. Yeah. And there are candidates who are a bit more moderate, Mm -hmm. if you will, or uh, centrist. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to uplift those people, Mm -hmm. uplift those campaigns, and Mm -hmm. support those campaigns because campaigns cannot be fueled without money. Yeah, And so I think, it again, it's incumbent upon us to to do our job beforehand so that we're not stuck with a nominee that we wouldn't want to see in the White House. Exactly. Um, What you got coming down the pipeline, man? I don't know. I'm I'm really open uh, to whatever God and opportunity has for me. Um, I really my my main priority right now is just the library, mm-hmm. making sure that programming is top notch, that we're providing excellent quality for the citizens, and that you know we're able to just do what libraries should be doing in the 21st century, which is catering to all the needs of the community, the financial, social, political needs. Of the community, so now you, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> for, hey, just let me sneak in, hey man. Go ahead. He sounded like the mayor answered that question. Man. <laughs> sounded like the mayor. You know I'm against libraries, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, you can share. We can share. All right. And this is my this is my spiel to. My board, my library board member. All right. People have warm and fuzzies about libraries. People don't go to libraries. Right. On top of that, we have, you know, we talk about this with our schools, with our rec centers. We have all of these facilities in close proximity to one another as a result of segregation. Mm -hmm. And so to maintain all of that duplicity, if you will, is not being a responsible fiduciary manager of the people's money. I agree. And so what I think is that we need to, our our libraries need to think forward. Mm -hmm. Technology, what's next, you know, job training, do, do the things that we need because I, I like, I like to use my, um, a friend of mine, Laura, she was pissed about them talking about closing libraries. Do you hear me? She was pissed. She called me. I know you know the matter. You know, like she was 38 hot. Mm. And uh, bringing up the point to the good of the libraries and this, that, and the other. And somewhere in the conversation, I was like, when's the last time you went? Right. (laughs) Not since we were in high school. 
You know what I'm saying? Right. We, we have early. warm and fuzzy feelings, and we think, no, the library's got to be there for the kids. Kids ain't going to the library. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now, if we, if we have things that they can check out, like Wi-Fi, Right. You know what I'm saying? That they can take That's home right. and use or even come in and plug in. But long story short, I think we need to be looking at what the services the library should be providing instead of the facilities in the building. That's right. That's just my. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we have a scarcity mindset as a as a people mm-hmm. and as a community when we feel like we're, we're losing something. Mm-hmm. Of course, we get up in arms but i think right now our main priority is finding out what is coming next in terms of technology mm-hmm. for library services how can we best use or how can we have top-notch services that mm-hmm. will attract people back to the library you know the central library has a passport um service where you can go and get your passport mm-hmm. copying you know mm-hmm. just the the for for very low prices, you know, other than, you know, some of the other office stores. And so I think it's about just updating, uplifting, and and really making it a point to be on par with some of the other libraries in the adjacent, you know, exactly cities in in Birmingham. So. And if and if we want to have places for homeless people to go, then we need to just say that. I wanna thank my dear nephew brother and friend and church member for joining us. I want to thank his mama and daddy for allowing me to be a part of his life. He is going to be something special. He already is. I want to thank you for listening. And as always, a huge shout out to Creed 63 and UrbanHam.com. God bless. This podcast has been brought to you by Jefferson County Sheriff's Office.